Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I don't understand why we're doing this. We barely know these people. It's one day. Let's mix things up a bit. You're just happy you found your fan club. I've been waiting six years for your second book. Is it coming out soon? I'm working on it. What do you do for money then? You married rich. (laughs) (laughs) I actually came here looking for inspiration. Mr. James Foster, you'll have to come with us. Here, the punishment for any crime committed is death. What? What did you say? That's for a significant sum. We'll build a double to send in for your execution. Double. Think of it as a gift. It's like a new skin working into place. It's for you to complete your transformation. This is just a little game. But I can take some blood. Show me how strong you are. It's really disgusting. You could just sit there and watch it happen. You know, James, do you worry they got the wrong man? Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 528. Releasing in Australian cinemas on May 11 is Infinity Pool, a sci-fi horror that stars Alexander Skarsgård as a struggling writer who, while on vacation at a luxurious island resort, is guided by a mysterious woman played by Mia Goth into a nightmare-fueled playground of consequence-free violence and hedonism. A surreal and disturbing yet utterly captivating descent into a world where narcissism and madness drown the soul. Infinity Pool also marks the latest film by Brandon Cronenberg, who joins me now on the podcast. Brandon, I thank you so much for talking to me today. No, thanks for talking to me. So it's really interesting. I did say sci-fi horror. The sci-fi element of the film has to do with uh, cloning or the use of clones, but you know, that whole kind of aspect of it, I don't really see the film necessarily as a sci-fi, I actually just put the genre tag on it. It's funny how yourself, when it comes to that whole aspect of it, you weren't looking for some type of tech-heavy film, but you kind of um, called it kind of like a magic realism in regards to that whole concept. And for me, the whole film, to me, almost seems like a 
kind of like a distorted, disfigured fairy tale. It, to me, it kind of seems like a Disneyland for the decadent. Is that something that uh, that you wanted to approach in regards to this story, that this is kind of like not so much a, a sci-fi movie or a horror movie, but kind of like this descent into this other world, other worldly experience that uh, Alexander Skarsgård and us, us as an audience go through? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's, it, I would say it is a horror movie, um, you know, not in a, in the mainstream horror sense, but there there, there are elements of the film that, that I, I would say make it a horror film. Um, it's technically a sci-fi movie in the sense that there is the science fiction element to it, but it's not predictive science fiction. You know, it's not like a, a story that's in any way trying to accurately uh, build a world where cloning exists. It's, uh, you know, as, as you say, it's a bit more like magic realism in the sense that it's something kind of resembling our own world that has this one absurd element to it, this one kind of twist to it that makes it a bit more of a fever dream version of reality. And uh, that element, the, the cloning in the film is really there to talk about other things, to kind of drive the plot in this direction and, and to to create a kind of lens to look at, at the real world and, and to create the satire in the film. So it's not... Yeah, it's 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 science fiction in the loose sense, but it's not it's not science fiction in the the sense of being a film about cloning in any kind of realistic way. And it's also interesting how you really do encourage your your audience, your viewers, to really go their own way and really define your movies for themselves. It's not for you to really hold their hand and take them through. You just represent your art, and it's up to them to really put their own kind of like take on it. And for me, just if I can just give my take on one aspect of the film. For me, the movie, in in a sort of way, kind of represents kind of like is a representation for the internet in that we are human beings on the other hand, on the other side of this artifice. But, uh, you know, within this magical world of the online, you have avatars so you can explore the darkest corners of the online sphere. And then you can walk and me, myself or you, we can, we can walk away unscathed from that. And it's interesting in that. When I looked up the term infinity pool in social media, there is a term for infinity pool in social media language in regards to getting sucked into like, you know, the whole rabbit hole kind of notion of, of, of the online world. Did that come up in any way in regard in, when it came to how you were telling your story to that whole aspect of like how people can get their representations of themselves can go out and do bad things and then but the real versions of of a person can can get away unscathed from from those bad things when it comes to the online sphere versus the real world uh uh, uh sphere um i wasn't i wasn't necessarily thinking about it connecting to the online world in in that sense i mean it connects to the <clears throat> connects to the online world in a sense where uh so, you know so much of social media is about image and, and you're you are sort of constructing this this double of yourself in a sense you know you are kind of building this building this other self um with, with social media that that kind of self-observation i think uh is such a part of our culture is such a part of who we are and so in, in the film you know seeing yourself seeing yourself being executed seeing yourself in in these in these uh these situations there is i, I think it connects to maybe social media uh, in that way, but you know, there it's maybe more generally about what happens to people when they can operate without conventional consequences. You know, what th these are in the film very bland people who are capable of very horrible things when they're allowed to be, and, and I think history is full of <laughs> very normal people doing incredibly horrible things when they find themselves in a context where where that's possible, and, and so. 
in terms of the responsibility in terms of you know i think it's to me it was more about that than specifically specifically the online uh the online thing the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by t public t public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise with over 1.2 million designs t public is sure to have something you will love the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by amazon the world's leading online store Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. Is it say something about me that there are moments in the film where I kind of chuckled? Um, because there are moments in the movie. One one example, if I can just bring it up, is um what I call the graduate shot, which is there's a scene near the end of the film where the, everyone's on a bus and all these normal people have gone back talking about their domestic lives and there's Alexander Skarsgård rattled and shattered sitting at the back and I couldn't help but give a little chuckle when I saw that scene because it almost played out kind of like almost like a physical comedy. Um, do you do you encourage people to be able to laugh at a film that even though it deals with serious issues and can have kind of extreme visuals, you know, can delve, delve into like sometimes what can be the silliness of, of, of who we are as human beings and the extremes that we can go to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it was certainly intended to be a funny film. Um, you know, I, 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 there was this problem that I was having with it where in sort of the early test screenings, not with the public audiences, but when you're cutting a film, you start to show it to friends and colleagues, people who, who don't know the script just to get a reaction and to, to start to see where you are with the edit, um, how, how people are responding to, to what you're doing because you lose sight of it yourself. Um, in those early screenings, we got almost no laughs. And I was really worried about that because, you know, it's, the intention was for there to be humor in the film. Nobody was laughing. I thought, man, we if people don't laugh at this film, we're, we're fucked. I mean, we need we need to, we, we need that um, that aspect of it. And it wasn't until the first screening at Sundance uh, that I could kind of start to relax because that audience seemed to really get the humor and they seemed to be laughing at the right spots. And so it was in the, in that sort of first you know, 15 minutes of the film when people were starting to laugh at it, that I thought, okay, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're okay <laughs> to a certain extent, you know, it's not, it's not going to be a, a total disaster because people are, are getting the humor to it. The film was shot in um, Shibenik in Croatia, Budapest, Hungary. My parents are from Croatia, so I know Shibenik a bit. I visited there once years ago. Um, they're more from like more on the other side of the country. Um, interestingly, both um, countries were under communist rule only like like 67 years ago. And my parents have many times told me um, stories of them growing up in a, what was the former Yugoslavia and things like that. Um, did the whole aspect of these two countries being under communist rule, did that in any way um, influence you choosing those countries to be representative of these um, fictional Eastern European um, uh, um, 
uh, uh, land that that you filmed your movie in. And when you go there, when you see kind of like the remnants of that, when you go to Budapest, if you go to that power station, for example, what does that do to you as a filmmaker, as a visualist, and as a storyteller? Does that change the way you approach things when you are when you um, when you're within these environments um, that were once under such um, strong to- to- totalitarian rule? Yeah, I, I mean, so the there was a degree of that in the, in the script. It was always like a little bit of a, a weird dream of an Eastern Bloc state to a certain extent. The way, the reason we chose those countries wasn't because of their, their histories. Uh, it's, it, you know, we needed a coastal location with, a, with a, an interesting resort. Uh, there's also some extremely mundane reasons for choosing, you know, Hungary, you know, tax credit reasons. We're an indie film. How do you get your film made? How do you put it together? There's there's some sort of pragmatic reasons to to, to go there. Um, but once we were there, I think that kind of uh, old communist aspect to the fictional world, that, that quality was really... Uh, uh, enhanced, like the real world histories of those places really started to creep into the film and, and really de- define it. You know, as you say, yeah, the power station is very much a location that was built under communism. You know, even the police cars are Volgas that were these cars used by uh, communist politicians in, in Hungary. And so, um, and, and the resort, the resort that we shot at was incredibly strange, uh, but it had its bones were from the communist era. It has this sort of yeah. brutalist structure that, you know, that was originally created under communism, then was wildly renovated by this sort of eccentric uh, Croatian businessman who wanted to turn each aspect of the resort into another part of Croatia. Like the, there's a something called the Dalmatian ethno village, which is like the, yeah. <laughs> this reproduction of an old village. There's like, all, it's, it's even weirder as a resort in reality than it is in, in the film in a lot of ways. So uh yeah so it, it wasn't it wasn't for that reason but it the, the, those histories really did shape the film and, and really did uh uh did play a big part in in what it became final question um so alexander skarsgård's character in the movie he goes to this resort to find inspiration i'm curious brandon what inspires you what is it that really inspires your approach to visuals color um, storytelling. What are the things that really inspire? Do you keep visual diaries? Do you jot down ideas? How do you go about keeping a whole, um, you know, coming up with these different, really unique kind of approaches to filmmaking? Because I was saying to you off air, I just I, what I love about your work is that not only is it really it makes me it's a really thought provoking um, works, but they're really captivating in the visuals as well. How, what what inspires you to kind of like to reach to to put your your ideas on, on a screen like a like a paint of splashes paint on a canvas what, what what are the things that really drive you to do that uh well thanks for that yeah i mean it's um it works in different ways you know i i do keep a list of ideas that just will sort of pop into my head because i'm reading something and and it it sparks whatever you know whatever the, the small idea that then becomes a, a bigger idea or doesn't you know i, I write down everything that uh that seems like it might be usable in a film as it, as it comes to me, just kind of at random in terms of the visuals. Um, yeah. I mean, part of it is just a, a kind of hard to articulate sense of aesthetics, you know, that, that we all sort of have. And that as you, as you work in a visual medium, there's certain things that just ring true to you. Some of it is more calculated and, and is, it tends to be pretty 
collaborative, you know, for instance, um, when I have a finished script before we actually have cast or locations or, or sets or anything, uh, my cinematographer, Kareem Hussein, and I will spend a great deal of time making a kind of theoretical shot list where we really discuss scene by scene what the visual language of the film is. And it's usually motivated by narrative. It's usually, you know, there, there are elements uh, that, you know, for instance, Possessor, it's, it takes place in kind of two worlds because Voss is in some cases in this machine in someone else's body. And in some cases she's out of it in her own life. And so, uh, you know, we had long discussions about how could we in a subtle way, distinguish those two worlds, you know, one of them ended up being handheld. The other one didn't have any handheld stuff. One of them had a bit of a deeper focal, uh, a bit more focal depth and, and so on. So, uh, yeah, part of it is through that process of collaboration. And then part of it is just stuff that you find as you're exploring, you know, as as we go through a very long process of exploring uh, visual visual effects, you know, playing with gels and lighting and, uh, with, you know, filters and glass and projection feedback. And we stumble on interesting stuff that starts to define the film. As with the locations, you know, those start to define the film when you're, you, you stumble onto these amazing places and that starts to affect the, the look. So um yeah i guess some of it is innate some of it's very calculated and some of it is is fine found art well i gotta say uh, overall just infinity pool is an incredibly captain captivating challenging a challenging movie but i think we need a challenging films in our time we need films to really push us in regards to what we see what we think and i think it's really important that people watch films like yours brandon for everyone listening May 11, Infinity Pool, in Australian cinemas. Make sure you watch it in cinemas. This is a movie that needs to be seen on the big screen. Not only are the visuals beautiful, the use of colours as well. Um, and the, the performance is terrific. I haven't even talked about how great Mia Goth and Dennis Garsgaard and your cast are in this movie. I think that everyone was just terrific in your film. And, and Brandon, you know, I Possessor was my favourite film of the year when that film came out. Infinity Pool is right up there for me so far this year, man. It's, you've done terrific work here. And I, I thank you so much for your time and for your films as well. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks so much, man. That's uh, that's very kind of you and uh, great talking to you.